Welcome to the latest instalment of the Evolution Exchange podcast, and I'm joined by a panel of experienced tech leaders across an array of positions to discuss a very intriguing topic today, toxic culture, where does it stem from? But before we delve deeper into this topic at hand, I'd like to get a little introduction from each one of you, just a little bit about who you are, what you do, and your interests outside the work. So, Rasmus, if you'd like to kick us off? Yeah, sure. Uh, thank you for doing this, Connor. It's, uh, it's nice to be here. So, my name is Rasmus. I work at iPaper as uh, our VP of Engineering. Uh, I come from a background of front-end developer, uh, which I've been doing for a very long time. So, my move into management is pretty recent. Uh, outside of work, in, outside of work, I have three kids and a wife. That's, that's my life. So, yeah, management from early in the morning, which is management of uh, packing bags and making sure there's lunch boxes, and then getting to work and then managing projects, employees, expectations, uh, cake, which is an important part of uh, workplace culture and iPaper. That's, uh, that's pretty much my day today. And that's also me. I'm looking forward to my kids getting slightly older. I can have helpies again. A lot of transferable skills then. Pack lunches, cake, you take the whole life into the office lives and just, and just merge the two. Exactly. I mean, I do actually bring my kids to the office once in a while. Um, they think our office is basically Santa's secret lair or something. Um, they're completely and honestly, totally sure that we eat cake every day and just drink soda and chill. Uh, we have a PlayStation 5, air hockey, pool, whatever. So my kids think that's what I'm doing all day. So when I get home and sometimes you know, I'm a bit tired, that that just needs like ten minutes rest. Like what? You've just been playing PS PS Five and eating cake all day. Why are you tired? But you know, toxicity can also be at home from your kids. Which <laughs> <laughs> certainly doesn't sound like it's from the office. No, no, no. <laughs> and a little bit about yourself, Rory. Yeah, again, like uh, like Rasmus said, thanks for having us, Connor. Uh, I'm Rory, a South African who moved to Denmark a couple of years ago. Will be three years in October. Uh, and I'm currently an Agilist slash Scrum Master working with a company called Ledel, a Norwegian company who's on a mission to help save a million more lives a year by the year 2030. Um, yep, so we uh, as a company are manufacturing uh, all kinds of hardware to train doctors and nurses and first responders and we get all the data back to see are people learning, are they getting better at their jobs on a, on a high frequency, low dose kind of way of working. I've worked in many different types of industries. Um, I've worked uh, from casino game development to retail and manufacturing, finance, compliance, uh, test automation, and now healthcare. Also came from a development background. Uh, the back end and front end, uh, I was never really good at it. And I'm sorry for anyone from many of my previous companies who hear me now. I was not a great developer, but I really just uh, I moved into uh, management and and then agile, uh, agile ways of working simply because I wanted to see people just do better. I was very very aware of the, the syndrome called golden handcuffs, you know, where people are paid well and cannot move anywhere else. Um, uh, so yeah, I just I would really love to see individuals, teams, and companies set free to do impactful work. So that's my own kind of mission, which is quite large. Uh, Personally, I also married, got four children, so a big family from uh, age 16 down to age eight. So past some of the crazy phase, but there's still a lot of management that goes on day to day. Uh, and again, like Asmus, I, uh, <laughs> I'm i also rediscovering some of my interests. I'm sure it will, it will come to me. Hope uh, I mentioned earlier that I, uh, 
I've been playing around a little bit with the Unreal Game Engine just as a way of tinkering with beautiful moving things on screen. So it's an, a nice break from from uh, actually the very complex world of working with people. You know, very, very rewarding working with people, but also very complex and sometimes just got to come home and just not talk or think or do anything else. So yeah, but good to be here and uh, hopefully we can actually help uh, others move on in the, in their working world. Thank you very much, Rory. And Joe, a little bit about yourself. Yes. Hey, everyone. And uh, thanks, uh, Connor, also for uh, for having me here. So I'm uh, Joao. I'm uh, originally from uh, Portugal, and uh, I'm a product manager at an IoT company for the construction industry called TrackUnit. It's a uh, 400-ish uh, size uh, company. Uh, we're distributed across several several countries with the headquarters here in, in Denmark and so uh, all my 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 background I can say that I started as a designer and I could quickly noticed that design is not for me I really care about a broader perspective of products not just the experience part not just the design part but also problem solving that is required for for, for users and customers to really use the product how it's sold, how much does it cost, are we really tackling uh, an important problem, for example. And um, when I switched from, from design to product was because I had two startups in the, in the past. Was one, one of them was a design agency and another one was a, a recruitment uh, platform. And, um, and the second one, uh, well, both of them got got close and then I decided to, to focus on product management. Then I came to Denmark 2016 and my high focus was to continue on product management and uh, that's where that's where I am today. So I'm used to, to working companies from big large corporations like my previous job at Mask uh, from little startups like the ones I created and now I'm on a super growth uh, company. Uh, that is track units. Uh, outside of work, um, yes, I have a wife and two kids. One of them just got born last week. So my spare time is just changing diapers and uh, making sure that wife and the kiddos are totally fine and putting also, preparing also the the, um, the meal boxes uh, and so on. So yeah, that's my life right now. Looking forward for some change once the kiddos uh, got older. Let's see. Uh, but yeah, that's basically me. Perfect. And I know we did all have a conversation prior to this call, but massive congratulations on the newborn. Thank you. And Dovermay, if you'd like to give us a little introduction. Hi, chaps. Um, thanks for having us here, first of all. Um, it's a big pleasure to be here and part of this podcast, Connor. My name is Dovermay. My nationality is Bulgarian. Um, I've lived in Denmark for about eight years, studied, graduated there, worked there. Uh, but I recently relocated back here in Bulgaria. Uh, I'm currently working as a technical director slash senior Shopify developer um, at a premier digital marketing USA-based agency called Levitate Foundry. Um, for the past decade, I worked as a developer. My main focus is full-stack development as well as e-commerce. Outside of work, um, I'm not married, but I'm with my beautiful wife for the past 12 years. And I'm a father, a proud father, I must say, of a beautiful baby girl. Um, that's about me, pretty much. Thank you very much for the introduction, guys. I suppose now we've got a little bit more detail about you and what you do on a day-to-day -day basis. 
Hi everyone, this is Chris Bennett here, and Nordic's Managing Director here at Evolution. We're committed to doing recruitment in a different way that adds value to both our clients and candidates by providing you with amazing speakers and leading edge discussions on what's going on in the tech scene at the moment. There are three reasons why you should contact me. If you would like to speak on a future podcast, if you are interested in hiring awesome tech data product or gaming freelancers for your business, or if you are looking for an exciting new organization to work with, please get in touch. Thank you so much for listening, and I really hope to hear from you soon. Please enjoy the rest of the podcast. We should dive into the topic at hand today, which is toxic culture, and where does it stem from? So, Dobramundo, prior to the podcast episode, you did put forward a question that you'd like to ask the other panellists, if you'd like to take it away with that. Yeah, absolutely. So, one of my questions that I had to you guys was, how do you deal with toxic finger pointing between teammates? Man, that is such a tough one. So, <laughs> like, I would, I would say it also depends on if it's between people who are peers or if it's someone who's in sort of a hierarchy uh, between each other. So there's like multiple different takes on it. Um, but if it's if it's between peers, I think you need to figure out kind of where it's also stemming from. Like, is this is this due to misunderstandings? Is this due to just completely opposite worldviews? Or like, what's sort of the reason for this having started? And then you can sort of try to deal with it based off of that. But it can be so difficult to, to move along once you get down this path. Yeah, I also um, I also agree that it depends if it, if it is peers or if it is, for example, a manager um, asking two team members and which those team members report to that manager. Why did this happen? Why? Why? I mean, I'm assuming that something bad happened, so there was some finger pointing between these two mates. Um, so if it were if it is between two peers. Um, the way to solve is if I if I am one of them, I would simply just explain from my point of view what happened, uh, and I will let the the person I'm I'm reporting to, my manager, make the right call. Hopefully, will make the right call. But uh, I would start by just explaining my point of view why did this happen, uh, and yeah, let let others make make the final call. If I'm the manager and I'm I'm seeing two persons pointing fingers at each other, what I will do is, okay, I would try to acknowledge what happened from both sides and I will make sure that both of them will work on the one common outcome and bring a solution for, for the problem together. And uh, I'll, I'll, my hope would be that both of them, after the finger pointing and so on, they will fix the problem regardless of how complex it is and hopefully Let's see if the finger pointing would finish. Hopefully, yes. Let's see. Yeah, yeah. That, it's an interesting one, right? Because I mean, the only people that can truly solve a problem where there's toxicity between two people are those people involved. Uh, and I, I believe you know we we can go to management and we can get other people involved. But at the end of the day, those two people need to operate somehow. I actually have a. I mean, this happened about ten years ago. Um, and I was, a, I was a team lead at the time and, and something happened. We were in a, a small team meeting with about six of us and the, some, you could just feel the pressure rising in the room. And then all of a sudden there was some shouting going on. 
Um, and I can tell you right now, at that point, all, we, all I did was, guys, you have to stop this and let's just separate. You know, let's actually just bring this. We're not going to solve anything while, first of all, there's a shouting match going on. Uh, and something that I tried, I'd probably do it differently now. But what I tried to do at that point was just seeking to understand, like like Rasmus said, where does this coming from? Is this a pressure that's sometimes a delivery pressure, a, uh, a home pressure? Is this something from, you know, higher up in the company coming down? Is there something that's happening on the inside of you that's coming from home? Or is this just something that's happening in this team right now? You know, so that from a person who's on the outside of that toxic relationship, you have to try understand and respond without judgment. It's just to ask those questions. What is actually going on here? Um, yeah, we again, we can't solve the problem, but we can help create those conditions for people to to work these things out. In the meantime, in the years that have kind of gone on, I stumbled upon a, uh, a group of facilitated exercises. And one of them, uh, uh, the set of exercises is called Liberating Structures. And uh, I'd highly recommend you guys do a Google search on Liberating Structures. And one of the things that, that happened in, uh, one of the structures that they use is called W3. Uh, because if I go back to that team example that I had, it wasn't just the two people that were affected that started having a match between each other. It was also the four other people who were witnessing it were also part of it now, right? They may not be the one in the actual breakdown, but they're being affected by it. Um, so this uh, this facilitated structure is called, uh, like I said, W3, and it stands for what happened, so what, and now what? You know, so uh, and what they try to do is break down from... Uh, from the, the, the basically at the data level, if you can say it, like what actually happened, what was said, and you try to separate it. And if you, it's a facilitated thing where you, you really help people to separate what did you see happen from what did you feel based on that. Because we, you know, we take in data all the time, and on top of that data, we add meaning, we add assumptions, and our culture conclusions and beliefs. And it's only out of beliefs that we actually take actions. But we see actions and we don't know that crazy world that's going on in the inside. So I would highly recommend uh, that liberating structure. I've used it in the meantime. Uh, and it, when facilitated strongly, you can see actually how difficult it is for people to separate what happened from what's going on on the inside of them. Uh, and if you can help clear up their personal worlds, that's when you start, I believe, you start to get the right conditions for, okay, how can we work together and understand each other and what's going on in in your world? But Dobrami, I'm I'm interested to hear where, where did that question come from? Did you have some kind of uh, experience or yeah? Yeah, it's not in particular in this agency, it was previous agencies, um, but it was happening quite often that getting to the deadline was putting pressure on all of us and having multiple members working on a same task, uh, one getting behind making the rest of them getting behind and it gets into this endless game of finger finger pointing like you're behind now i'm behind so that's that's not i would not advise uh, anyone going against their team members uh, i'm always open for uh, open communication i would definitely reframe the conversation if i see and if i feel there is finger pointing um, specifically, I want to move from the finger po pointing more into problem solving and discussing uh, of what are the next steps and not focusing so much on who made the mistake, if there was any mistake at all. Um, and finger pointing can not only come because of deadlines. Uh, it happens if you have 
bad time at home, let's say, with your family, or you have some other stuff going on in your mind. So it's not only in, in, in projects and in work, it can happen outside of work. So what I focus on is that I try to set clear expectations, ensure that the roles, responsibilities, and all expectations are clear for every team member. And I try to regularly visit and adjust these roles if necessary. Um, as I was giving proper feedback, I, I personally believe that if you give a proper and established feedback uh, where the team members can constru constructively criticize and support one another, uh, let's say this can be in a form of regular performance reviews or team retrospectives or feedback sessions, this can definitely help improve uh, those finger pointing mechanisms that we all have because myself, I think I did it. I might notice it. No one approached me and said, hey, you're finger pointing. But uh, I, I'm not ideal. We, we are humans after all. So I might get the pressure as well. I might have finger pointed someone. People have finger pointed me. But um, what I try is just take it easy. We are teammates. At the end of the day, we, we work together to build something together. So there is no point of going against each other. I think this is also where it's kind of different from from company to company, right? If you if you have deadlines and pressures to reach, I mean, every company has deadlines in some degree, but obviously if you're working on a client project, your deadlines are a bit more, shall we say, actual deadlines instead of targets you would like to hit. So that leads to more finger pointing because like, oh, it's because of, of your tasks and I can't progress it because I can't progress now, we're late and blah, blah, blah. But I think it's a super interesting question and also one where there's like so many different ways to 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 fix this depending on what the problem is it's always nice when we can at least keep it to work related things instead of being like you don't use the bathroom correctly or whatever it might be something silly that sort of finger pointing is just super hard to fix yeah see i think with the the title itself it's almost addressed in an all-encompassing way whereby it's like where does it stem from but as you say this is so multifaceted and so many directions and approaches and reasons behind it and I think one of the key things that I've took away from everybody's answer and that was probably a good round off was that it's understanding those problems, it's speaking to people, it's a communication element to help to uncover where the problem lies to then be able to act on it in an accordion manner. I think you put some great ideas out there, be it, be it from mistakes, pressure in work, home life, or even opposite worldviews. I think that was something that you said, Rasmus, as well. I think there's so many different points. I think there's so many different elements whereby it can stem from. But the, the key takeaway from this was the way in which each individual has addressed it, which I thought was really insightful. And I think like one of the one of the challenging things is that once this starts, right, it can quickly spread to everywhere. Like as 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 soon as you get into this toxicity and this finger pointing, then it just goes round robin and everyone's pointing at everyone and it goes all the way up through the hierarchy. And even if you do manage to fix it it can be really hard to shake this reputation because you might have people who actually left your company while this was going on or someone who interviewed and had a bad sort of experience. So like, it can be incredibly hard to get rid of this reputation of, of being toxic or having a toxic team even. Is that something you guys have experienced? All, all it takes is one angry person, right, who, who wants to go full glass door with the oh, yeah. <laughs> bad reviews. <laughs> and, then, and then other people looking in going, yeah, you know, what's going on there? I don't know if you've ever played that game. We're looking at a glass door where you're like, uh, work there less than a year is angry. <laughs> you're like, mm, that's interesting. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, but like, 
how can you do you guys have any sort of good ideas for how you could like sort of try to get rid of this reputation first i would say you need to acknowledge the problem acceptance is the first step um yeah. you need to recognize it and just acknowledge that the issue with the workplace exists without deflecting blame to anyone um why not conducting a survey yeah right? so like enps for instance for example yeah anonymous feedback session can give you quite a lot from the bigger picture on existing problems um you can also engage with um let's say external experts people who focus on this and solving toxicity in the organization uh, maybe when you're so much involved in one organization and working with the same people over and over you can't just notice the problems yourself so maybe getting a third party person that can get into the agency stay for a few meetings see how it goes maybe conduct a meeting where um, it will be just open q a's chats um, this can help and last but not least i would uh, reckon that you need to strengthen for example hr policies um, you need to create a for example a strong anti-harassment and anti-discrimination policy this be a, this needs to be a must uh, you should not uh, judge by genders neither roles um so yeah that's one of my one of my steps on the list that i would uh, take in consideration and i would action I think it's super interesting because like we um we went through this phase as a company where we had some changes in in management and, and leadership um which caused uh friction and it caused that uh bad sort of reputation internally but apparently also slightly leaking out to the outside world we actually did introduce a bunch of policies and made sure everyone was aligned on like what are the expectations um what are sort of the do's and don'ts and what can you do and what can't you do and what's okay and what's not okay. And what we've seen is that we went from actually having a well abysmal EMPS score of minus 18 to 92 uh, over the course of about a year uh, from actually changing this, which is great. Uh, we are in a place where everyone is really happy here. And the comments we have is like, oh, it would be really nice if we had a few more parking lots, which is there uh, but also kind of hard because we're in the middle of major city so parking is tough um but the problem is we still actually bump into this sometimes when we're recruiting people and they'll reach out to our recruiters and be like yeah not sure if i'm interested i've sort of heard that it was a little bit toxic and there was these issues and you can do all you want in terms of trying to persuade them and be like i think he promised that that's not the case anymore but it's hard to fight against people having heard it from a friend or something, right? I mean, rep reputation is gold. Correct. And uh, it, in that case, I, I believe leaders have to go first. You know, you, you have to own up to those mistakes, as you said, and there can be no oh, but attached. It's like this happened. Uh, and then you've just got to be honest about it and, and courage to change. And that's only going to come through any form of consistency. It could never be that, oh, we own up to it once. We had the all hands meeting where everybody saw it and then we, never talk about it again it has to be that consistency so even when those uh, uh you know your potential new employees are coming a leader should be ex available to say we hear you we know that this happened we can talk about it just the fact that a leader would be able to be available to talk about it you're quite right they may never believe you but you're available and that's in itself being available transparent open about what happened that it's not a dark secret 
reputations are, uh, you know, when it's working with shame, it'll never get fixed. But when it's like, yeah, that happened. That's that's life, and now we want to make it better. It's that consistency. Rinse, repeat, rinse, repeat. Then you've got a fighting chance, at least. Yeah. I must say that the the person who have to solve this uh, needs uh, massive kudos to really solve this properly because I think it's a uh, it's a problem that have to motivate people to to change and and fix things but also depends on the skill of the person who had or the group of persons that have to, to drive this this initiative uh, I would reuse some of the ideas that you guys uh, mentioned here uh, like uh, asking for an anonymous uh, feedback and um, but I would really focus on on the empathy, if possible, if there is people with inside the company that really cares about others, to try to dig in a bit about what's going on and have informal conversations with with people. Hey, next to the coffee machine or uh, during lunch, for example, in an environment that's really tied to to work, to really grasp. Uh, what's preventing the company to be, be successful in terms of uh, have, being a, a great work environment? I must say that from a personal experience, I worked in uh, in companies where uh, really work with people who really cared about about others. That that is a massive thing. I also worked with other companies that hey, you're just another cog on the on the machine. And um, we really, and in that situation, that specific situation, we really never asked ourselves, how could we fix this? We just take it for granted that, hey, this is how this company works. That's it. And yeah, I actually left the company and others did the same and so on. I think at some point, some people might take for granted that, hey, it's normal for you to stumble upon some workplace that you might not relate that much and you just, if you can, move on. Uh, but if if there's people who really care about fixing it, massive kudos to those folks. Please do it. Please fix it. Hey, something is really uh, being a road blocker somewhere and I think everybody will be happy for sure. Um, yeah. But I will really focus on those who really can have a dialogue or a personal conversation with not everybody in the company, but a good portion of them try to nail what's going on. I'm sure that not everybody are people who you really, you really like, you don't want to work with. I'm sure that there are a good amount of people you like to, to have a, a proper conversation and you really care. So, hey, kudos to guess. I guess this is also where like it differs depending on size, right? So it's no secret we are pretty small, um, like forty-ish people. So it's actually realistic for me to have a conversation with everyone in the company, even in the same day if I choose to. Got to be kind of short conversations, but like I could. Um, so, but like in a in a large corporation, I think it's really difficult. And I, I'm sure we all have company names where we've learned or got told that it was not a great place to be. Uh, maybe we've experienced it ourselves, like you said. So, like those corporations, good luck ever hiring people because that reputation is beyond insanely hard to get rid of, especially in some teams. I think I, I think large large corporations are in an unfair position, and I worked in one before, and I say it's an unfair position because 
the name of the company as a whole shouldn't suffer shouldn't suffer from the lack of success of some teams that had some uh, toxic uh, culture or environment because in big really? company culture really happens within small teams or departments you cannot have a unique culture across the company especially when you work in different regions different mindsets of course the roles also depend on that so i think uh, yeah ma- big corporations if uh, they have some sort of label saying oh yeah working that company yeah it's super bad one they have a yeah, and mission to solve that as I don't know if it is impossible, but it's pretty much up there. Issue. Yeah. 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 But yeah. I think you're right. It's very unfair. Yeah. It is. And it also really the first because you guys, for example, you work with those people on a daily basis and you meet them in person. Let's say you work fully remote as myself. Like how do you deal with this? It's like really hard to get a grip of someone. Like it's not like you can pass by them, get a cup of coffee for them make it easier right so um it's it's a unique place and world we live in now with the remote jobs and positions especially having to deal with toxicity into into organization if you're fully remote i believe it's it's an idea harder compared to being physically in the agency day to day um but good points guys but how about like now all of you come from different backgrounds and stuff. Do you also find that language barriers can be a problem in terms of toxicity? Like simple misunderstanding causing so much friction because someone used a slightly incorrect word that has a bad connotation and it just spirals. Oh yeah. I had some uh, some examples uh, about that one. It didn't escalate, I'm sure. But really created some misunderstandings, uh, not just between two persons, but it escalated to higher levels. Uh, and yeah, the language can uh, it's some definitely mis misunderstandings for sure. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, hey, at, for example, I'm living in Denmark. I in my workplace, I don't speak Danish. I don't speak Danish, so I have to use English like many others. And our level of English is not the same. So we might use one word or the other that might not describe the real problem or might tell something that is not how it should say. Yeah, can create some uh, interesting challenges. Absolutely. So I think we we could have a whole podcast just on the the intercultural uh, understandings. (laughs) So to take... Again, uh, it's not only about the language barrier, but even the nodding, because we in Bulgaria, for example, uh, when I first came to Denmark, I was like nodding like this for yes, and we nod like this here in Bulgaria for yes. And in Denmark, they do like that. So I got questions, like few questions, and I was like, yeah, yeah. (laughs) And next to me was like thinking, what's going on? He's saying yes, but at the same time, he's saying no, like what the heck? So, uh, yeah, eventually I came up to the conclusion it was my fault that I was nodding properly. So, but it's not always hilarious. Even the, the body language sometimes that can lead to, to these consequences. Yeah. But I'm pretty explain sure that, that uh, after, afterwards, do I have to explain that afterwards? Well, yeah, yeah, I did. Okay. <laughs> I think back then, so I got questioned by my lecture uh, about uh, on a topic. 
And I was like going through the topic and he asked me a few other questions. So I was, yes, yes, you're absolutely right. Yes. I was like, I'm not entirely sure that I understand you. Uh, can you try and rephrase yourself? And I'm like, yes, yes, I can try and explain. <laughs> I'm continuing doing this. And he's like, why are you nodding like this for no one saying yes in this case? And I'm like, oh, wait a second. I'm in Denmark. They do it like that way. So it's even the body language that can sometimes confuse people, right? Yeah. But, but let's be honest. I mean, we're talking about workplace toxic, toxicity. But these little understandings are not the things that start that, right? They might be little flames into it. But if um, it, being right or wrong on these kind of things are not going to, it's not the beginning and the end of toxic work cultures. They're, they're just, they'll be the minor irritants that then you'll probably f focus on them, but they're not the problem. They're really not the thing that, if, if, if you fix that, you're not fixing. <laughs> If you're not the right yeah. way, you're not fixing uh, the, the toxic work culture. Oh, if only it was that easy. <laughs> Just needed a sign at the door. This is how you're supposed to nod in this location. <laughs> yes. Oh, brilliant. But hey, I have, I have another topic to talk with you guys. That is, so we're, we're talking about a lot of um, toxic culture in terms of people getting uh, bogged down and people getting angry and so on. But there is a perspective of toxic culture that is also toxic positivity. And so um, I would like to know from, from you guys, what advice would you give to someone to deal with toxic positivity in your workplace? Can I go I last on this myself? One? I suppose just myself and probably for the listeners as well, could you just give us a little background on perhaps the implications and what you mean by toxic positivity? So toxic positivity is when you work in a, in, a, in a workplace or in a team, which they really push good thinking, like, hey, we're the best team, we can do this together, we're strong, we're family, and then that's not a big problem. And uh, what, you're not a family? <laughs> yeah, so, um, and, and, then, and then there is, there is situations where when hey you might have a bad day and i have a bad day and when you are working with with those folks with that always happy mindset and we are so good we can do this together they don't acknowledge that problem they get a little bubble of we can do this together and we are very good we're very happy and so on they want to acknowledge inner problems that are happening from other team members and so on. Okay. So in those situations where you have to deal with those situations, it can be your manager or you can be your mates and so on. How do you really uh, deal with that? Yeah. Oh my God. I've had this happen so many times. This I was just going to say, can, can I go last on this one? Because I, I think I might do this. <laughs> so I'm going to listen <laughs> a lot more. <laughs> uh, you want to you you get some advice first on how to deal with yourself essentially. <laughs> I yeah, actually find yes. that this is one of those things that are very much dependent on nationality. So we're a pretty broad company in terms of nationality. So I paper, despite a small size, I think we have roughly 14 different nationalities out of 40 people. And one of the things we, we notice is that there is absolutely a different difference in like nationality and sort of your mindset about things. So a lot of Danes might have a tendency to be slightly pessimistic. Um, I think we prefer to call it realistic, but in the rest of the world, we might be seen as negative, slightly based. Um, so when we then get confronted by someone who has a different mindset of like hyping it up, um, just throw it out here. 
I kind of see this as sort of being a thing that quite often you can see from American sort of perspective of being like, come on, just cheer up, team culture, come on, we can go, go, go. Um, it can be really, really different to our sort of realistic mindset of being like, could we not just be honest about the fact that we're way behind schedule and then move from there? Mm-hmm. So I've seen this quite a bit. Um, I think it's really hard to deal with. I actually think this is worse than negativity because negativity, you can kind of drag people aside and be like, come on, you know, you're at work, sort of trying to eat this at home. But this is very much a personality aspect I see it as. It's not necessarily trying to be toxic. It's just your personality quite often. You're brought up with this. It's part of like who you are, how you do things. So it can be a super duper hard conversation to have. Um, This is also why I prefer to actually stay off of LinkedIn. My God, the amount of posts, which is like, just do it. You'll be amazing. You're going to kick it. You're going to have a massive lawn and then someone will take pictures of your back. It's going to be awesome. Uh, not pointing out any specific people here, but you might have seen this post. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> and this is like, this is toxic positivity the way I see it. It's like, it will be great if you just keep working. No, not necessarily. Uh, and we should acknowledge that that's not the case. I think this is where management really needs to step in and align on like, what is the story we're going to have here? And this is this is super hard for a employee to deal with. You're going to have to escalate this to someone, hopefully above that person who can then drag them aside and be like, come on, come on, be realistic because you're putting undue pressure on people to always be positive and just acknowledge that sometimes people are going to have a bad day and that's part of life. We're all humans. We all have shitty days. Sometimes we run out of cake. <laughs> Dr. May, what, what do you think? Yeah, to me, I think we need to educate a little bit positivity. Um, and I think we need to practice more authentic positivity. Um, not so much about um, saying, yeah, I can do this, like somebody to cheer me up. Uh, I would have to consciously say to myself and to genuinely believe in this, that um, being happy and being positive comes from actually facing challenges and not from avoiding them. Um, so it's good to set boundaries as well. Um, I would myself, probably I would politely decline or redirect the conversation when I feel that somebody is cheering me up, considering I have tons of stuff on my head and like I'm getting swamped and my slack is like a Christmas tree, for example, blinking constantly. So <laughs> you get me, right? So, oh yeah. They like, I appreciate that perspective, but um, I'm, I'm swamped now. Uh, I would prefer to face my challenges and focus on them, and then we can cheer up both together. So uh, that's one thing. And I, I would love to force people to acknowledge their feelings uh, and to make them understand that it's okay to feel a range of emotions, uh, all feelings, including, including the negative ones. It's not bad to feel negative feelings. <clears throat> yeah. That's pretty much what I can say. The question is pretty tough, honestly, right? Toxic positivity. When you hear it, it's like, damn, this question. How can you be positive at the same time, right? Well, that's what I said earlier. I'd like to listen. Um, And Rasmus, I think you're quite right. There is something of personality. And I I could possibly, and maybe if anyone who actually knows me is listening to this, you're quite welcome to say if this is true or not. But I could probably verge on some of that uh, that toxic positivity. Uh, I, I know one of my, uh, if you've ever done a strength finders test uh, through Gallup, but one of their, they, they give you like the top five things that you're probably known for. And, and one of the things that I appreciate and 
strive to get is harmony. Uh, and, you know, if, if you do that thing wrong, you will gloss over things that actually need to be spoken about and talked about. Uh, but, you know, being in a long-term relationship like a marriage and, and working in places, you get to improve on some of these things. Uh, so one of the things I think that I've learned actually is to, you have to invite others in uh, and make things visible, you know. So especially if we're talking about team trying to do something and go somewhere, you have to say, well, this is what we're going for and this is where we are now. You have to make it open and invite other people to review it that are not just the team. So you have to have your stakeholders and your managers. Actually, can you get your users in or your your customers or people that you actually affecting uh, your world? Because many of them will not, uh, they won't pull punches. They'll go, yeah, this is, you know, your product is actually terrible. <laughs> uh, we asked for this six months ago uh, you said it would take two weeks. Uh, now it's nine months later and we don't have it. This is not acceptable. And so some of that reality comes in where you can go, okay, we are here now. We need to improve this thing. So I really believe you have to invite others in just to just to ground you a little bit and practice that thing of saying, this is what we're going to do and this is what we did. This is what we're going to do. This is what we did. And you know, is that trending better or worse? And just make it open. But, uh, but Joe, I mean, you, you asked the question, so I'm, I'd love to hear what, uh, you know, that hasn't happened in your world and, and what have you done about it? Well, yeah, it happened in my world, my world, that is for sure. And, uh, what I have done, so I uh, put it, I would say, my Portuguese hat and I said, no, uh, it's, not, it's not like that. It's like this because of this, this, this and that. So I have to present some facts that were going against the arguments uh, which the, the the person that was having that kind of a toxic positivity approach was was giving so i had to be a bit a bit pragmatic in the presenting their um i would say numbers data to prove that it doesn't work like that sorry you know there is there is a real problem we need to tackle it and so on. It's not hippie and the let's all sing the kumbaya around the bonfire and so on. Sorry, this is a problem. Let's embrace it. And uh, I must say that, okay, the relationship I had with that person after that became a bit more sour, but uh, I think I passed. The, um, the problem that I was facing that is, this is not real. This is, I'm, I'm talking with this person and this person's not acknowledging the, the, this problem. Like, am I, am I talking to, I don't know, uh, or, 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 right? What, what's going on? So yeah, I, I established a boundary, I would say, and presented the facts. I got uncovered. That's it. Presented the, fa- the, the arguments. Let's, let's move on. The relationship didn't, didn't evolve pretty well, but it is what it is. Yeah, it's it sounds like you stayed through your through to yourself. I try, I try to, I, I, t- I try to do that. I try to do that. There were there were situations where yeah, I got affected by it, uh, but positively uh, or negatively, I, <laughs> positive, <laughs> both. I don't know, but, uh, but um, I try to. That 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 is something that that I'll learn. Uh, that I learned from outside of Denmark, and this happened actually in Denmark. So uh, I, th- I think 
again, the, the, the background, the environment where you grow up and so on that pushes pushes you to re- move forward regardless of uh, if you have a bad day or, or a good day. And that's where I came from, from Portugal. Like, you really have to do it. Let's go for it. Yeah. I think it created some antibodies on myself on having to deal with these situations and let's call the problem by their names. Yeah, that's really good. Yeah. I think definitely some different perspectives there, even going from the negative element of toxicity and then circling it back around to positive. But Rory, I know that you had a final question, which I think will go full circle and we'll round off this episode quite nicely. So if you'd like to pose that to the panel. Yeah, sure. So guys, I wanted to ask and uh, I'd love to frame this as a uh, a team question, so not really as an individual question. Uh, so my question is, what tips or strategies would you give to someone who is not in management to try improve a toxic culture? But I am thinking of a a, a team-based kind of culture or not a, not an interpersonal thing. So does it yeah, uh, like a bad team culture, like how you can sort of try to improve on that if you are um, not in charge of the team? Yeah, you're in the team, you're affected by it, uh, and it's you know you you want it to be better obviously you know so what uh what tips or strategies would you give honestly it starts with you <laughs> yeah go ahead Rasmus, if you want you can start because it starts with you Rasmus. <laughs> <laughs> all right I, I walked into that one uh, no, my meaning is just like if you're part of the team it starts with you if you want to change and this is going to sound super cheesy so you know this is this is toxic positivity be the change you want to see yeah okay now we can shut that one out but essentially that is actually kind of true right if you want it to be in a different way try to move that way you're gonna suffer so much friction at the beginning changing culture is incredibly hard but you can't force it especially because culture naturally flows down right so if you're trying to fix a culture and it's coming from leadership and you're not in leadership and i say oh take the reins but actually you're you're the you're not as empowered as somebody who has uh, okay, a... That's actually a very good point. Yeah, That's a really I'm, good point. Yeah. Depends if the teams are like, uh, what is the buzzword these say? Self-empowered or if they're like more strictly managed, I would say, right? If it's a more strictly managed team and the toxicity is coming down from above, like, yeah, it's really hard to, to sort of deal with. Um, but you can sort of try to work with your teammates to make your own little groups of of friendliness essentially um find someone who's like-minded find someone who values the same as you do sort of try and work from there and then influence others you also have to remember that most people don't they don't want to be negative or toxic there's probably shit going on that you're not aware of if this is the case um so you can sort of influence them in in their behavior by showing them that there's a different way but it is not easy it takes a lot of effort. Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> Love your question, Rory, by the way. Um, one way would be to lead by an example. So if you want to promote this into the other teammates, then try to be your better version. Um, demonstrate, for example, good behavior, uh, meet your deadlines, meet the expectations. Um, showing this to people and them seeing this would definitely trigger something and it will snap the key for making them better. Um, call it a competition, though. 
it might be the inside competition they might say look he's doing so much better i want to be doing as good as him i want to get shout outed on the on the team meetings um, so <clears throat> that's one way and other way will be just approach the hr be confident when you're approaching them uh, say i i want some improvements in this agency i i'm i know and like you need to acknowledge that you you're not in the leading position but you seek cooperation from a leading manager who can help you with this um that's two ways and seek also for for team buildings like doing something together this can also improve the toxic culture if you go golfing for example uh, even for example in a remote agency you can set up a happy hour every every month in a friday just join on on zoom go hang out stay for one hour play some tic-tac-toe game for example do some fun things and activities together which can bond you as a team this will definitely improve the toxic culture at least in my own opinion now, I must I must say that this is a super hard question, uh, and I think it's hard because hey, it depends on those who work with you. It depends on the leaders of the company you work at. It depends on a couple of factors that uh, I personally think I cannot I cannot think of any tips right now because it will always depends in the end of if you're trying to do something and if it is for example at a team level if it is at a, at a team level you can push for, for for something to 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 be improved in, in in your team but i really i really think if those who are who are receiving your 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 approach to solve the, the culture if they really think that, hey, yeah, you're the one who's going to fix this. You're the one who's going to really push this and have a solution and so on. If I had real, the, the real power to solve the culture of that team, awesome. If I don't, I really wonder how effective that is my push on, on the team. This is based on a personal experience I had uh, on my previous job. Um, so you can think of, okay. Let's have team buildings. Let's have uh, hey, let's uh, uh, pool table on, on the office. Let's put uh, some PlayStation and so on to lift up the, the morale of the team and so on, right? But in the end, there is always those nagging problems. That is, I work in this team. I cannot handle that person, right? I cannot handle that person. That person, I don't know what should happen. Maybe they should be fired, <laughs> right? So. But that, if I try to 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 give some tip on on how to solve that, I would say, hey, what? Fire that person. <laughs> that is created a problem. I think it doesn't work that way, right? So I I don't have any tips. To be but is there also a thing here where you have to consider that toxicity is different from individuals, right? Like let's say the four of us, uh, five if we include Connor, were to work in the same team, we might have vastly different opinions on what would be toxic and what wouldn't. Uh, like Rory, he would hype us all up and be like, yeah, I'll go team. <laughs> and some of us would push for a more realistic uh, approach to things. And meanwhile, Colin's Colin's busy trying to sell us as a remote team to someone. So <laughs> like, there's going to be so many different takes on if that's a good team or a bad team. And if your perspective is just like vastly different from that of the rest of the team or the company as a whole, maybe it's not actually that they're toxic. 
maybe it's just not the place you were supposed to be. Yeah, I think that's a great point. Um, yeah, and Jar, you know, you said you know, all those extra things that you put out, uh, you know, like some of the team buildings or the, the the foosball tables. Those are just that's the lipstick on the pig. Sometimes, right? It's like it doesn't. Those are things outside work. The problem is in the work. Uh, so, yeah. uh, something that I've tried to do when I go to places because my my approach has always been against the grain to much to the annoyance sometimes of leaders, right? Uh, I've, I come in at a team level and and work out with them. And for me, the number one tip or strategy is to just, not just, is to cultivate an experimenting mindset. And that's to say, okay, we are here right now. What is one experiment that I'm gonna, I'm gonna get the permission from leadership or I'm gonna take the liberty to experiment with something and see how it changes what uh, how the team works because when you start to fix the way the team works and they can see the change when they start to own the change that's when you know you cannot ignore evidence for years and years and years you can see what this either something's changing or it's not and people are asking to be in that team people are not leaving that team the results that come from the team are different it can be felt not always measured but it can definitely be felt uh, so at the same time, you know, everything has a sell-by date. If you, you also don't, you know, if you are one of those people who wants to fix these things, make sure you're not going in as the savior and get harmed and actually destroyed trying to do it. You know, it should never be lethal to you. But you know, have any experimental mindset and say to the leaders, listen, we are experiencing this and we don't believe it's great, but we are going to try this thing and this thing and we are hoping that it produces this result. Then we look. Uh, you know, give us three months, give us four months. Uh, you know, can you trust us to do that? Because otherwise you're losing people and that's probably not what you want. So that's, that negotiation upwards is, uh, I believe, a very useful skill for people to own. And it does go back to what you said, Rasmus. It starts with you. You know, if you can see that you'll be the one to um, actually, a toxic workplace, in my way, my view is actually an immature workplace. So if you want to fix a toxic workplace, you have to be mature and you're going to have to have thick skin and you're going to have to be, even though you might not be on a seniority level, the adult, you will have to act like an adult to produce that maturity in the team and hopefully in the organization at large. So experiment and be open with those the results from those experiments. Yeah. Here ended the, really solid advice. Here ended the preach. <laughs> yeah. you, you said it. Thank you for coming to my TED talk. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. You said it damn right, because many people don't have the balls to show up and say, hey, we have this in our agency, in our organization. Not so many people will step in and try to improve things. They'll just let it be as it is, which is which is not a good thing. I'll definitely promote for people to be more open, more confident and true by themselves. And just if you don't like something, express it. But that also requires a high level of trust in your management and your HR for that matter, because you can also easily be flagged as the problem employee. Like at least that's what I experienced myself is that some people are super scared of bringing up problems because like, oh, maybe I'll just be seen as a problem. If I raise this, maybe it's going to be easy to just toss me out instead of actually fixing it, which is, it's not a concern you should have, but I do reckon it's a valid concern, at least in some companies. Yeah. The alternative to that is horrifying that you just stay and it gets worse. I mean, that's that goes back to my view of like, is that the life that you want to live at work doing whatever you do for 
37 and a half plus hours a week. That's that's your world. Is that really what you want? Uh, I, I can't settle for that. Blame. Good stuff. <laughs> Thanks yeah. for answering my questions, guys. Laughing with some really nice advice, guidance and questions throughout the entire episode. If you're listening in, it's not only provided the root cause, but also solutions, not only as a manager, but as an individual as part of a team as well. So I think it was really nice, this, this well, differentiated approach from different organisation sizes, different positions that you occupy, and then different ways and methods of solutions. So some really insightful points there. At this stage, what I'd like to ask is, is there any final questions or anything that anyone would like to add? So now this is uh, sort of targeted towards the Danish audience, at least mostly, right? So, have any of you noticed it being vastly different in Denmark compared to where you originate from? Yes, totally. Hundred <laughs> uh, percent. You go first, John. <laughs> you you, want, you example, wanted more, Rasmus. Let me give an example. Trust. The level of trust in Denmark is way higher than where I come from in Portugal. There is always some suspicions. Uh, suspicion. Like a competitive level, uh, lack of trust, not just in work environment, but also uh, outside of work and so on. The, the level of trust is one of the things that I noticed the most when I when I came to Denmark, which is an awesome thing. Um, and 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 that's where I got had had the possibility to to express who I am in a way that I wasn't being. Uh, I would say uh, judge in a negative way uh, because okay you think like this you is you had this problem you you had this approach let's talk about it and so on so far the experience has been super good so trust definitely is I would say the main thing that is different from where I came from yeah last one to that um, coming from South Africa I think the I believe there's still a, quite a strong patriarchal mindset and that plays out in that leaders are, I say what to do and then you do it, uh, which is a disempowering a disempowering behavior for knowledge workers and anybody who has who's actually educated to think, right? Uh, that you, you don't have simple instructions to do. In fact, and more and more jobs are just getting more complicated. Uh, so you are used to having someone make a decision and there's not much conversation uh, about it which is something that why i even got into what i do because no we've we're all adults we can actually all have a conversation about this and probably find a better way the uh, the opposite of that is coming to denmark is that sometimes it's actually difficult to get a decision made because there's a lot of conversation happening and you're looking for very good things to happen and you value the conversation and that is good there still needs to be somebody who makes decision and maybe from what I'm used to, that could be done slightly faster, but you're trusted, entrusted with having the conversation and, and, and feeding part of that. So it's, yeah, it's a spectrum that you, that you walk. Uh, yeah. So that that's been interesting for me. You both guys said the exact things, trust and open conversations and trust, especially is leading to non micromanagement. Because what we encounter here is the opposite. Micromanagement, not enough conversations, the board takes decisions. I don't talk specifically in the agency that I'm, I'm just talking about Bulgaria and the agencies in Bulgaria and the organizations in Bulgaria in general. The, the board takes the decisions, uh, they decide how it's going to be, 
they don't communicate between uh, other levels of the organization and honestly in my in my uh, experience in Denmark I I've learned a lot I I learned to express myself there and if I want to say something uh, I don't keep my mouth closed so this is something that I learned there people especially they do it even in the schools there and in the in the universities they encourage people young adults to go and express themselves be themselves uh, and I think that one of the main reasons Denmark to be in such a good position in terms of uh, of how it goes and like the the overall comparison between other countries in Europe and the growth in Denmark is that because of this that they make people and force people to be themselves and to build good things for example you have so many good good agencies there you have Benz and Olufsen you have Vestas uh, you have so many good companies were born there and are actually doing so much good for the world so yeah no no bad feelings about Denmark so maybe to you Rasmus you know you you are Danish and you've got many internationals around you what are you seeing from the other side yeah I'm definitely seeing that some of um, some of the problems that we sometimes run into is that people are afraid of of speaking up because they come from cultures where it's not seen as something you should do we we have to to, to spend quite a bit of effort uh, really making sure that they get that I'm I'm asking you because I actually want your opinion. I don't want you to say, yes, that's a great idea because you think that's what I want to hear. No, I, I want you to actually speak your mind uh, because I do come up with really shitty suggestions once in a while. Uh, I'll be the first to admit that. And then <laughs> Only, once someone, <laughs> Only once in a while. Only once in a while. Most of the time I do get it sort of right. Uh, but I do need people to to correct me when I when I do something stupid, right? Or point out my my failings or my oversights and that that can be problematic um sometimes because you you do have a lot of countries where there is a culture of like if, if this is what management says that's law you simply cannot challenge it uh, challenging it is basically the same as firing yourself which is such a shame and it it adds a bit of complexity to my communication at times where i have to be really clear that I am honestly seeking like advice and communication and input on this yeah uh, and not just asking for validation uh, <laughs> yeah that makes sense I could imagine how that could be frustrating because it is an energy sink at times when you you know just I just need you to talk to me <laughs> just talk please <laughs> just tell me what's wrong no, nothing's wrong everything's fine clearly it's not <laughs> <laughs> But uh, most of the time, it, it works out, and it's an adjustment thing. Very good. Great. Well, I think that was a nice way to end it. I think, Rasmus, it was a great point that you picked up on, that we've got multiple different origins. And I think having all worked in Denmark, it was a really nice opportunity to ask that question and perhaps see it from different perspectives. But just to round off, I'd like to thank each one of you individually for contributing to a great episode. Really enjoyed listening, and I'm sure that it'll provide value to multiple people as well. And if you're listening and you'd like to join us on a future episode, please feel free to drop me a message on LinkedIn or reach out at connor.leyland at evolution-nordics.com. Thank you very much.